What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Bike Race Weekly. My name is Rick, and I'm here with my co-host, Ryan Gerard, and we are ready to jump into some really cool topics for the week. Yeah, so we have a bunch of topics today that we wanted to talk about. So uh, we got we got some cyclocross races coming up. Yeah, you and, and me. We were at a cyclocross race over the weekend. Yeah, that was super exciting. Another topic of conversation. We were at the World Cup this weekend. Yeah, that's right. It was actually uh, the first round of the UCI Cyclocross World Cup Series at Waterloo, Wisconsin, which is what is that? Eleven miles from where we currently are. Eleven miles. We live eleven miles from a World Cup. Yeah, isn't that something? And not only that, there was a bit of an upset bit of an upset something that hasn't happened in two years yeah it's uh it was a pretty crazy weekend yeah that's for sure uh besides that we have uh we got some world championship talk yeah. this week it is uh the uci road world championships so we're gonna like touch on that a little bit and kind of you know gloss over it see what's going on we don't talk about world championships or uh world tour that much not a lot actually ryan it's now just called worlds teams worlds cycling is it really they changed the names yeah it's worlds uh pro and then i believe continental as if that really makes it any more clear not a huge fan of that you know it used to just be called division one division two and division three yeah, I like I, that be better. Honest, I think that's. The I best. never understood the whole. There's continental and pro continental. There, it's like there's yeah, right. like elite continental, pro continental. It's just like how hard is it to like split the distinguish the three of them? Right. It's like every other you know like baseball is just like minor leagues, major leagues, you know. Yeah. And then what's below the minor leagues? Uh, it's it goes into triple A, double A, single A. Yeah, but it's never changed. It's just always been like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, it's just yeah, how it is. Yeah. I don't know why cycling wants to always change the naming convention. But. Why don't they just start doing uh, JV Varsity? Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, what else are we talking about today, too? Do we have uh, anything else on our agenda? I well, guess? we got a new segment. We called, got a new segment. Uh, what grinds your gears? What grinds your gears? And we'll go over what grinds our gears this week. So but that'll, that'll come at the end. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. While it's fresh in our minds, why don't we jump into what was... Waterloo World Cup weekend hosted by Trek Bicycle at the Trek Factory headquarters. Yeah, so let's let's talk about the first day first. So this was yes. a three day event. Yep, that's right. Friday was our amateur racing. No, Friday no. was uh, it, well, was, it was it was amateur yeah. racing. And there was also a UCI race. Two point two. Okay, so it was it was a fast race. For, for those sure. who don't know, uh, two point two is a continental and pro continental race. Mm-hmm. So um, the diff- so the difference between like World Tour 1.2 and 2.2 is 2.2 is Continental and Pro Continental. 1.2 is World Tour and Pro Continental, and World Tour is just World Tour. Right, and so it's still confusing, anyways. But yeah, that's a good way to clear it up, Ryan. I think that brings some little clarity to how big of a race it was. So mm-hmm. it definitely was a, a big deal on Friday. Um, so we had some really fast folks there for that race. Um, there was amateur racing that day too. That was the first day of amateur racing. We weren't there on Friday. No, no. Th- you know, I, I thought that was so weird. Like they had the um, the pro race, like the two point two, at like three thirty in the afternoon. Yeah, well, you know, it is a big deal though. A lot of people did take off work. Didn't your brother take off work to uh, to go to that race? No, no, no. He oh, he got out of work early or something. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think that was the day before. Okay, I don't think he went on Friday. But it was cool, though. There still were a lot of people that showed up Friday from oh, yeah. what I hear. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the conditions were a little bit muddy, too, because we got it quite a bit muddy. of rain yeah. the week before a this race. A lot of rain, like 
I think it, there was like flooding or something. So that definitely played into the conditions throughout the entire weekend. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I think over the weekend it, it made things better, but there was also parts of it that made it worse. Like there was big ruts oh, that were sure. made, like really big well, ruts. it depends on your perspective because I actually like the ruts. I really like rutty courses. Oh, okay. I think they kind of make cool lines and they kind of give you like an A, B line, if that makes sense. Okay. So sometimes ruts can be cool, but sometimes, yeah, I get what you're saying. They can just be so gnarly that it's like, uh, I'm trying not to like kill myself through this corner yeah yeah and speaking of which let's uh move on to the second day rick raced on the second day i did part of the amateur races i did the single speed race the second day saturday your first single speed this was my first single speed cyclocross race it wasn't my first cyclocross race but it was my first single speed race how'd it go um you know it went pretty good it was a lot of fun uh didn't have a call up so i started at the back of the group um the course was, so this was my first experience doing like a full cyclocross race on a single speed bike. And it was definitely an experience. It was tough for sure. And the course was hard because it was either, I think, very technical and difficult in terms of like elevation. So you're either like descending, riding up or running up some pretty steep terrain. And then you'd get onto some flatter sections on, of the course but it actually wasn't that hard to just kind of spin on the flatter sections because that rain still made the soil kind of like um, like ta- tacky, tacky and sinky. Okay. So like it, it almost felt like you were just still like losing a lot of momentum when you were riding on some of the, what should have been flatter, maybe less technical places where you could recover. So that was a little bit tricky, but it was still a lot of fun. Uh, you were kind enough to hand me a, a beverage on the side of the... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He looked thirsty, real thirsty. I, I was thirsty. You know, in cyclocross, you don't really ride with a water bottle a lot of no, the times. No. So you got to rely on your fellow spectators to yeah. hydrate you. Yeah, I mean, all I had was a Bud Light. So, I mean... I mean, Bud Light is mostly water. Yeah, you need to hydrate. Yeah, exactly. Bud Light is the... I'd say it's the official beer of Wisconsin cyclocross, in my opinion. Bud Light? Bud Light. Not Miller Light? No, Bud Light. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, well I know I know you're thinking of, you know That's betrayal. Milwaukee Brewers, but we were in uh we were in Madison, so fair enough. Yeah. So um <clears throat> so the course had a bunch of features. Yes. Why don't we talk about those features and then why don't you uh tell us what what your favorite feature was and I'll tell you what my favorite feature to watch was. For sure. So the course was a true World Cup course. It was actually I would say a super world cup course because it had three flyovers. And they were pretty much evenly spaced throughout the entire course. So, and if for the listeners that don't know, a flyover is essentially it's like a like it's a, a table like a tabletop. Yeah. You and it's not like a jump. You ride up it and then you coast and then you ride down the backside. And they put them in because they're really good for spectators. So I know. Oh yeah. I heard in the past years that was the biggest complaint on the spectator front is it was hard to navigate around the course. And that's part of the reason why they added three flyovers is it made it super easy to get around to pretty much every part of the course really fast. So the flyovers were really cool. They had quite a bit of like technical descents, lots of off cambers, and then a very steep run up that I'm pretty sure, I don't know. You couldn't watch that either though. No, you could only see us come up pretty much, but it was steep and muddy. Yeah. Yeah. I I wish you could have watched that. Right. That would have been really cool, especially for like the, uh, the World Cup race. That would have been so cool to be like right there when they're running up it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But I think my favorite part of the course was on the back side of the course. There was this little uh, place in the woods where there was a not so secret bar, uh-huh. and there was some pretty pretty uh, nice music playing and quite a quite a pr- cool vibe going on in that area. And there's like a little rock garden that like 
it was just a really small one. You kind of bunny hopped, go through, and it was so loud that you'd go through there and like you could hardly hear yourself think. So that was definitely, I think, my favorite part of the course. That was a good spot to watch. Yeah, for sure. You could actually watch two parts of the course yeah. in that section mm-hmm. too. Yeah, and my, my favorite part to watch was that that <clears throat> little section, but then also right next to it, there was like this this really fast downhill into like a 90 degree turn. And then from mm-hmm. that 90 degree turn, it's just straight uphill. Yeah. And uh, watching there is really, was really fun because you saw these guys just bombing this hill. And it was kind of like double track the hill. Yeah. But it was kind of windy. And then um, just seeing people like skidding around the corner and then just from a dead stop trying to get up this hill and you just saw so much pain in people's <laughs> eyes. Oh yeah. And that's what you want. That's yeah, a good cross course I guess just elicits oh. elicits so much pain. And I felt so bad for the single speed guys cuz that looks so hard. It was I would say it was not a course for single speed if that's even no. or ever a thing. No. It was a lot of uh, a lot of like tight corners that were kind of like hard to keep your speed up through. So. Yeah. Definitely a day that I wish I would have had some gears, but it was at the same time super fun and it was a cool experience too. I'll be racing single speed for the entire season, mm-hmm. so I just got to get used to it a little bit, you know. Got to get my single single speed legs going. Yeah, and then uh, after after that was a the Pro One Two Three race. Yeah, so that was a pretty big field. Yeah, it was it was, a, it was filled open, 150. open One Two Three. I believe our winner that day was... Brian Motter. Brian Motter, yeah. yeah. And, and then Caleb Schwartz. Caleb Schwartz on the linear trek sports I have no idea team. what team are you racing yeah, for. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. Okay. Two, two big mountain bikers, mm-hmm. but I know Caleb actually has been on the world's team that, uh, for USA and has gone to like the world championships uh, race in Europe. So he's a younger kid. I think he's like 19, but he's really fast. Yeah. And I know Brian is... Uh, he's late, older. Late he's 30s, been around. mid 30s. He's been 30s. around for a while. Yeah, he's been around for a while, but he's still got a super, super fast. Uh, oh yeah, uh, cyclocross skill set. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that was the one, two, three race, and that was Saturday. And then later in the day, they also had the Legends race. Legends race. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, did, did they have we three Legends that? races? Or yeah, was one was, every day. Oh, there was one every yeah. day. Okay. Before we talk about that, yes. I want to touch on my experience. Yeah, as a spectator. So, uh, right before the Legends race, um, or like right before the pro race, they they had a meet and greet with um, a few pros, mm-hmm. uh, and then Jens Voigt, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, Sven Sven Nice. Was he there? Yeah. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah, because he owns, or I don't want to say, manag- he's, he's a manager for- of the Telenet team. Yeah. So he was there, um, and then Emily Batty was there. That's right. Big fan, big fan. Yeah. You got a so, hat signed. Yeah, so what happened was... Uh, when this started, there was a line down the block. Oh, I like bet. you were gonna be there for a while. So I was like, "Well, I, I'm just I'm not gonna stand in that line." No. So me and uh, my younger brother and one of our friends go to Subway, uh, get a sub, come back, and uh, when I come back, there is like three people in line, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm getting in line right now," and I get a signature from uh, Jens. And I said, oh, I've, you know, I actually met Jens a few years ago. Mm-hmm. You were there. Yeah, at the, uh, it was like a, I don't know, what do you call it? Yeah, I, I remember that, though. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I got his book. He signed the book, uh-huh. and I got to take a picture with him. And, you know, I, I told him, like, oh, by the way, I, I read your, uh, I met you a few years ago, and 
I read your book and, and you know I just want to tell you it's, I thought it was a really good book and it was it is a really good book I yeah. really, I think I've recommended it before on this podcast yeah I think, yeah I'm pretty sure you did so yeah. um yeah and uh, he's like oh thank you I really appreciate that uh, and then he he actually I was the last person to get a signature from him because mm-hmm. he's like oh does anyone else need anything They're like no okay yeah because he was in the legends race so he had yeah, to go. Yeah, yeah yeah so then he left and then um, Emily Batty was there and I was like hey, and I got a signature on my hat okay and I was like hey. Yeah, can I get a uh, signature on my hand? She's like, for sure. By the way, amazing penmanship. Like, I would, I would agree that with that. I saw a signature mind. on your hat. That is like, clear as day. Well, you know the weird thing is, <clears throat> anytime you get like professional sports signatures and memorabilia, I feel like it's a scribble. Oh, it's a scribble. And then I always wonder. I'm like, man, does that really mean anything? But then I saw your hat. I'm like, oh, you got yeah. it signed by Emily Betty. That is very impressive with the amount of people she probably has to like sign swag yeah. and give back to. Props, props. Yeah, yeah. And then she's like, "Oh, do you wanna you do uh, do you want a picture?" And I was like, "Uh, yeah, for sure." And she's like, signed a picture of uh, of her. And then I was like, uh, "By the way, um, you know, I got I gotta ask one more thing." And I was like, uh, "My girlfriend is was not able to be here, and she's a huge fan of yours. Mm-hmm. What are the chances that I can get a video of you just going, hey Anna, you know, wish you you know, wish you were here, you missed out or something." And she's like, oh, for sure. So you got Emily Batty to make fun of Anna because yeah. she couldn't come. And here's the funny thing is that I got a video of her and she's like, wait, is it her name Hannah or Anna? She said <laughs> Hannah. I was like, oh, oh it's Anna. Okay, okay. I was like, oh, it's Anna. But, you know, don't even worry about it. Hannah it's is close, close enough. Close enough. This is like, this is more than like I can ask for. And yeah. she's like, no, we're uh, get your phone back out. We're going to do this right. Nice. So then um, she took another take. Kind of messed it up again, and she's like, "Do it again, do it again," <laughs> and and then so I got like three videos of um, Emily Batty, like just saying like hi to my girlfriend. Nice. So it was solid. it was awesome. Yeah, and I sent those to Anna, and she was like blown away. So solid, solid boyfriend. Uh, oh yeah. move yeah, Brownie on points. your part. Yeah, Brownie yeah, points. exactly. It is pretty cool. The one thing that I do really like about Trek is that they seem to put they seem to invest a lot in riders based on their. Fan base. I yeah. mean, they're all obviously these riders are really fast. Emily Batty, I think, just got a <clears throat> bronze medal at the World Championships. Yeah, yeah. But they also they pick up riders that are just really like social, like really involved in the cycling community, and are really good ambassadors for their brand. And I give a lot of props to a you know a company that kind of can see past just like race results and realize that you know like cycling is a very niche sport <clears throat> and it's so important for people to engage with their fans and. Obviously, if that's your full time job, like you've got to like it, you know. You've got yeah. if you got to sign like a hundred autographs a, a day, or probably more than that, actually. Oh, there's and well then, over a hundred. Yeah, interact with fans. Like you've got to kind of enjoy part of that, right? So that's pretty you know, cool. I gotta say uh, to Emily too is she. I, I saw her walking around, uh-huh. and like whenever someone like stopped her, she would have like. A 20 minute conversation with them oh really and be completely interested and i That's was like awesome. wow that is i like i don't know if she's like just really good at the publicity stuff or if that's just like who she is i'm sure but, it's, i'm sure it's a bit of both i mean like the way the way like uh someone at that level acts like when nobody else like kind of knows uh-huh. that they're around like I think that says something about their like who they are yeah for sure especially um people like that famous i guess you could yeah. say like she's pretty famous inside it's like oh yeah community. i mean yeah. everybody at the, at who was there probably knew who she was mm-hmm. yeah that's that is really interesting um 
that kind of makes me think back to like you know sometimes when I go around to like some of these bike races and do interviews with like people that are just generally like pros but you you wouldn't they're not like household names yeah it's always kind of surprising that you get a lot of people that <clears throat> some people are creeped out I get that hundred percent but there's also a lot of people that are just like they just don't want to talk to you and I just think that's so strange you know like cycling is basically a sponsorship driven sport it's like you would think that you'd want to put yourself out there as much as possible because you know every person you talk to is an opportunity at the end of the day too yeah i mean uh take iman lucas i mean when when we messaged him once he was more oh, than willing he was to, he was super cool with just sitting down yeah. with us and making time out of his day to just you know talk like that's uh that's character right there. that's character yeah that's character that's that's uh people that are not only good ambassadors but you know just cool people yeah yeah, yeah. um so yeah and then uh the legends race was you got to do a 30 minute race with all the people that were just signing autographs yeah and it's kind of i feel like the legends race is like the the equivalent of a color run where like yeah, nobody's yeah. kind of, there's nobody really racing it no there's some kind of funny rivalry between yens yeah. and this like uh, cow guy yeah, wearing yeah. a cow costume but I've always thought I thought I always think it would be really funny if somebody like joined the Legends race and just went as hard as they could possibly like somebody oh, that's yeah. kind of fast and it's oh, like yeah. I'm gonna win the Legends race oh yeah but I'm sure there might have been a couple of those people but yeah it, it was really cool it was really fun to watch too everybody was in costumes and stuff like that yeah my younger brother did that race and your older brother did that yeah, race too yeah, yeah. it was yeah. my younger yeah. brother's first uh, oh I was gonna ask that cross race what do you think about it he was not a huge fan because he doesn't like actually pedaling. <laughs> oh, I see what you. I see what you're he said saying. There was too much uphill. Oh yeah, that's kind of the problem with cyclocross. It's mostly just pedaling. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Maybe he's more for downhill mountain biking. Yeah, you know that's what he would prefer. Yeah. Uh, he's definitely not an endurance athlete. No, he's a football player. I think, yeah, he's right? a football player. Yeah, there's not a lot. Uh, there's some crossover, but yeah, no, I, there's I, no crossover. No. <laughs> there's <laughs> not none. Much. Yeah, I guess so. I guess you could say yeah, that. Yeah, all right. So then uh, that night was uh, Mr. Rick's birthday. <laughs> it was my birthday that night. We had we that went day. we went to Salvatore's, got some pizza. We got some pizza. Had and... some brews. Yeah, it was a good night. Yeah, yeah then, a lot you of know, fun. Got to bed early, woke up, and went to the race the next day. Yeah, that's right. You went to the race the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the live stream provided by Trek Bikes from my apartment. Just uh, I was feeling a little tired. Yeah, you know. Yep. But so you can tell us about the next day's races, which were pretty big, right? So Sunday was the World Cup. Uh, yeah, the World Cup both, race for both the men and the women. And the women. Yeah. yeah uh, so I woke up late. You know. Yeah. I was tired. Tired. Tired from tired. The, the previous nice of night's festivities. Yes. Uh, my brother had a race at like seven thirty. We didn't leave until like ten. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh wait, did your brother make that race? Yeah, impressive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so me, my younger brother, and our friend Richard went and got a coffee across the street at uh, Beans and Cream. Beans and Cream. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we hung out there for a bit, and then we drove to Waterloo instead of biking, like we did the day before. Yeah. So the day before, we actually we biked to Waterloo, and then we Richard and I raced, and then yeah. we biked home. Yeah. So it was a, it was like three hours of riding with a cyclocross race included in there. Yeah, can't can't wish for a better day, man. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, and then but Sunday uh, you guys drove. Yeah, and we got there in time for the uh, the P one two three race, or maybe we we're just at the end of it or something. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean the the main thing was watching the World Cup, and mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, that is crazy. 
Oh, they yeah. go fast. Like, it looks like they're on, like, just a normal road. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you think, like, a P123 start is fast. They would be getting dropped in this race. It was, like, a full-out sprint. It's yeah. a full-on, like, The first lap sprint. is just, like, everybody's trying to break each other. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And it, what, what was crazy was the amount of people that, like, get pulled from that race. Yeah, because you can't really, like, they don't want lapped riders interfering with um yeah i think they get pulled they pull like a third of the race i imagine yeah pretty much everybody that's not european gets pulled <laughs> pretty much yeah I, I think uh the top 10 eight were belgian wow and then the other two was were like netherlands D- dutch, dutch yeah, yeah we're Something dutch like that yeah yeah uh, but it was it was crazy i mean just how fast they do everything mm-hmm. like just just getting off their well no i'm not gonna say getting off their bike because they don't get off their bike they just say they go at, over everything yeah a lot of the guys are bunny hopping the barriers yeah, the barriers are nothing to them no they go over them so fast too i mean they just gently lift their bikes up and like yeah, i mean like lift as in like bunny hop gently bunny hop yeah yeah and then like the announcer was saying like oh yeah uh this guy you know, he he tried to see how high he could bunny hop, and he got to like four feet. Oh, so it's geez. like yeah, these these barriers aren't anything to them. Like yeah, they it's 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 just second second nature to jump over these things. Jeez, yeah, it's I mean it's truly like a crazy thing to see in person. Oh yeah. So who won that race then? I know we had the world oh, championship in town. I'd, I if you, if I you don't to, know, that's okay. I, I, do, I, I don't know. I so I should know. It's Wild totally Van Art was in second place, yes. the world champion, and in first place was Tune Ertz, uh, yes. the talent at Fidea team. Fun fact, actually, Wout Van Art is currently in a legal battle with his prior team. Yes. I, over, I, what is not... He left his team. It's not really been disclosed as to why. At least we haven't been aware. I believe it's just because he left his team. Well, no, but there was some reason why he left his team. Oh. And um, so he actually showed up with a blank jersey that just said WVA across it. Standing, oh, it looks so bad. Stands for Wout Van Art. And you know what? It looked so clean. I wish... They wouldn't oh, let yeah. sponsors put like stuff on jerseys because it just looks classy. I mean, that is a good look. For I don't the think they'd ever champ- do that because they're definitely getting paid a lot of well, money to, to of show course, those sponsors. But, like, especially for the world championship stripes, like man, yeah. that just looked phenomenal. It looked really good. Yeah, um, yeah you know, I was looking at Wood Van Aert's, uh results from last year, mm-hmm. and it took him, I think it was like four races until he won a race yeah it took, he was like 13th 8th 5th like he slowly creeped up like mm-hmm. he definitely peaked a few races in every year while Ben Art's been doing more and more stuff on the road yeah so he's been doing a more beefy like road racing calendar and you know I, I can't say this for certain but I thought I remember hearing that this might be his last cyclocross season and then he's going full I believe you know, full gas and to like a, a professional road cycling career and you know I don't blame him too I mean he has three world championships mm-hmm. under his belt he's from Belgium so I think his dreams are to to win some of the big classics he got second no excuse me third in Strada Bian- Bianchi Bianchi however you pronounce Bianchi, it yeah. he was in the lead group at Perry roubaix this year which is a road cycling classic as well until he flatted about like 5k from the finish which is a bummer because he probably he could have won that race or at least he could have gotten third maybe um so i think he has a really like illustrious potential or illustrious future as a road cyclist so i think this is kind of his last you know like just finishing out i don't know if he'll do the world championships or not and i'm guessing uh even though cyclocross is huge in belgium i'm I'm gonna say he probably doesn't make 
he probably just makes like a quarter of like what a like a world tour rider could make. If he was on the right team, and, he definitely would. And make... I mean, he's he's definitely proved himself as one of the best. Mm-hmm. So he could definitely like jump like at least double his pay. Yeah, I would say I think you're right. He he would definitely make probably probably more money as a road cyclist. And it's a different lifestyle too. So like, you know, you're doing all of your racing in the summer then or the classics I guess are your big thing. So it's just a lot different than Oh yeah. Than the and whole if he gets on to like the right team, I'm sure he'd be a, a he prime could, candidate for Quick Step yeah. or one of the classics he, teams. He'd become like a uh, like a Peter Sagan where yeah. you know, he's doing the classics and then he's doing grand tours too. Yeah. Or, he certainly proved himself that he could do it. Right. I mean, he's just he's a he's a very well-rounded cyclist. He can sprint, he can time trial i mean I, there's not a lot that he can't do it's I, it's it's amazing to see i think the only one of the only cyclists that rivals him in pure talent is matthew vanderpool who yeah, actually was yeah. not there this weekend yeah that was a little disappointing yeah you know he came last year um i think part of the reason why he didn't come this year was he was fresh off of mountain bike world championships where he got a bronze medal very impressive mm-hmm. um so he didn't i don't think he wanted to um, I mean, I just think he probably knew that he needed to do some training and not travel for races. He, he was still kind of rebuilding and taking a break from mountain bike season. So I understand that move. It would have been cool to see him there, but, you know, maybe next year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was a good race. Um, the women's race was after the men's race. Yeah, Talk you know. Talk a little bit about that. I actually left before that. Ryan. That's okay, and it was To be honest, it was it w- didn't have anything to do with like you know women's race or anything. I actually enjoyed like the you were women's just races. a little tired from the last. Oh night. my gosh, I was so just destroyed. Yeah, it was a it was a busy it was a crazy weekend, and the women's race was actually the marquee event of the weekend where they yeah. put it at the very end of the day on Sunday. And it was an interesting race. It was too. an interesting so race. I I kind of. Uh, Kicked myself for not being there. Well, that's okay because I watched the live stream, so I I caught what happened in the women's race, and it was very exciting. I always have this feeling that the American riders kind of pick Trek as like their one shot to get like the best result possible because they have to do the least amount of traveling. The courses are pretty fast, and most races are used to like American racers are used to fast courses. Um, so, and I think that that proved to be pretty true. The Americans definitely showed up in full force. Um, on the first or second lap, uh, there was already an, a separation of two riders. Marianne Voss, also referred to as the greatest women cyclist of all time. Yeah, did you? I was gonna say, did you know she's ranked number two in the the world tour standings for road? Yes, she's a multi-time world champion on the road, a multi-time world champion cyclocross. I don't think she's ever done. I might be wrong mountain biking but if she has i guarantee she's a world champion in that too (laughs) um but she's actually opting to do a full season of cyclocross this year she would usually just show up at the end of like the season and do the world championships and either win or get on the podium so this was her first year or this is her first year in a while of kind of doing a a complete cyclocross season did she win world championships last year no, she didn't. She wasn't on the podium, I don't believe. Uh, I think the year prior, she narrowly won against Sana Khan. Oh. It actually came down to a, a, you know, those two riders in the last lap, and she dropped a chain while leading. Oh. Yeah. But, you know, she's, I think, won it seven times. So yeah, heartbreaking so as it is, it would have been You don't eighth. feel bad. Not as bad as I would have if, you know, Sana Khan lost. Mm-hmm. But right, right from the gun, her and Ellen Noble of Trek Factory Racing, 
they both established their lead group and they basically went you know toe to toe the entire race kind of swapping uh, you know going at each other pretty much and then uh probably a couple laps into the race you had your chase group form which was evie richards of truck factory racing you had katarina nash from cliff bar and you had katie compton from you know i don't know what katie's team is it's a truck team it's like it's like katie i don't know if it's it's not truck factory racing but it's like katie it's like her own privateer team pretty much okay um but yeah so that was the the three woman chase group and all throughout the race, you could tell that Ellen Noble was uh, technically superior to Voss, just based on she would often take the lead going into technical sections, open up a gap, and force Voss to do quite a bit of you know uh, um, work closing the gap in the less technical sections. And you could tell that was kind of like grinding on Voss. And Ellen Noble looked really good that entire race. She did actually, there was quite the incident on, I believe it was like the third lap where Ellen Noble bunny hopped the barriers and actually went like over the bars and she, I saw that. Yes. I did. Yeah. So that was, that was like mid race. And I thought her race was done because Voss was going to run because Voss was running the barriers. I thought she was just going to buzz right around her, but she actually fell right in front of Voss and she held up Voss. So like none of them could go. And she got back on her bike, and it was just the same positioning as it had been. But yeah, that was that was really close to ending her chances for for contending to, for the win. So after that happened, it was I mean it was really close the entire race. And coming into the last lap, there's a a very technical like off camber chicane downhill. And really, you know, you have to be the first person into that chicane, that like downhill section, because after that, it's like a really steep uphill into a flat, into the flyover. You take a 180 and you finish. So basically, there's nowhere to really pass somebody unless you're level with them, like coming out of that technical section. And I think Voss just had the experience to know like she had to be in front of Noble. And she just kind of made a quick move, got in front of her on that last lap, and that was history. Voss just put the gas on and got the win at the World Cup of Waterloo. Dang. Yeah. So it was a... I wish re- I was there. It was a really exciting race. It was probably one of the most exciting cyclocross races I've watched in quite some time. Like, very, very close. And then uh, finishing out the podium was Katarina Nash. Uh, Katie Compton, I think, rolled a tubular in that chase group. And Nash was able to put in a nice dig on Richards and get some separation coming into that last corner. You know, I, just, I was going to touch on uh, Katie Compton rolling her tubulars. Yeah, yeah. She actually, like, put it back on then, too. I saw that. Yeah, that's that's That that's was gnarly. crazy. So, but she was pretty far away from the pits. I mean, she was, like, oh, yeah. the entire course She was halfway away. through the course. That was, like, her only options, which is a bummer because, yeah. I mean, I think she was going to get third place there. But, you know, that was really cool to see Katie Compton that far up in the world cup this early in the season i've always felt that katie compton kind of comes on later in the season and she does better in the european races so to see her really battling for a podium spot the first weekend of september has got me thinking that she's gonna have a pretty solid season this year yeah and which you know who knows how many seasons katie compton's still gonna be around for i think she's 40 or 41 but she was so close she's that old yeah yep she she was so close to winning the world championships last year and i think this is like i mean fingers crossed knock on wood this is maybe her her year that she does it yeah yeah 
man. I know she looks. So she close. looks. She looks ageless though. You she know, she's so just been so fast year. for so long. <laughs> right. All right. So moving on. Moving uh, on. So we got some cyclocross racing coming up. Yeah, we do. Uh, where are we gonna go race, Brian? Next week we are gonna race in Grafton. We're gonna do the Pumpkin Cross. So some of you Grafton, might remember Wisconsin. Yeah, some of you might remember we did a live podcast at the Tour de Grafton. Yes. So this is called Pumpkin Cross, which is actually just uh, down like, the street. It's like just down the street, though. Maybe uh, from, from the uh, Giro de Grafton. Maybe we do a podcast at Pumpkin Cross. Yeah, maybe we do. We'll see. Ryan thinks he's going to do three races. I think I'm going to do three races. Because the third one's free. Third Ryan's one's free. A, Ryan's a cheap date. Why so. wouldn't you? If it's free, why wouldn't you? You, you can drop out if, you, if you're like, nope, not doing this you anymore. Know, you've never done two cross races before. And so I don't think you have a good perspective on how it feels. But you know what, Ryan? I hope, I think three, you know, if anybody can do three races, it's you. You're just going to be so happy that it's free. Right. So right? I'm going to do one, maybe two races. You know, it's kind of tough for me because I just have a single speed bike. Yeah. So my second race is a single speed race. My first race would be the cat three race, but I don't want to be tired for the single speed race where I actually can be competitive against. Yeah. Cause the, the Grafton cross is technically typically been a really like hilly course, like yeah. lots of elevation mm-hmm. up, down, up, down, like, uh, off camber corners. And, I did it on my geared bike two years ago, and it was very challenging. So I'm not looking forward to it on the single speed, but it should be fun. Yeah, see, here, here's my thing, is that I am not going to be competitive, and I'm just going to ride the course. That sounds like, you know. You know? Yeah. So I, I'm going to do three races, but I'm not, I mean, I want to push myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of manage my, my, uh, my matches. So that I can do three races. Well, I'll just be sure to make keep you hydrated on the sidelines. Yeah. Make sure you're uh, fueled up with carbohydrates, oh, yeah. water. Oh, yeah. All, all the good things that a good friend would do for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Beer. Beer. Well, what? what? Huh? No, there's actually no illegal feeds on the other side of the course. That's what is said by every USA Cycling official, and I abide by those rules every time I go to a cross race. Well, you know, if the third one's free. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, you guys, if anybody's listening, going to do that race, keep an eye out for us. We might do um, some some podcasting there. Who knows? We'll see. I think our friend Rich will be with us too. So if you're gone at all day racing, maybe I just pull in him and, you know, we, we live podcast from the side of a cross race. Yeah. We've done it on a road race. Now we got to do a cross yeah, race. You guys can do it during my race. Yeah. Like, wow. And then you can stop. He looks like you he's can a, stop. Oh, that's such a good idea. You can stop and do an, an interview with us as you're dying on your third race. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good what's, idea. What's the third race of the day? Single speed. Oh, that's uh, the one I definitely I will be in. <laughs> and the, the only one we'll do it. wouldn't like for sure be in is the P123. That's the first one of the day, right? Yeah. That's at like 1230. Oh, maybe you'll surprise yourself. Maybe you'll do uh, pretty well in the P123s. <laughs> yeah. So here's my thing is like, I, I, cause here's, so the timing of these races is the P one, two, three gets done. Yeah. It's an hour till the uh, cat three and then it gets worse. Hour Single speed is right after the cat three. You're going to be so <laughs> This doesn't sound fun so at all. So I'm going to do an hour and a half of like racing, just like all at all once. All at once. Yeah. No, you're not going to do an hour and a half. You're going to do two and a half hours. Oh no. I, I'll do an hour take an hour break and then do an hour and a half yeah okay it's a total of two and a half hours of cross racing yeah yeah which is like not a thing ryan like oh, nobody races oh, for two and a half hours it's gonna hours. be a blast wouldn't that be interesting though if they what? did like a like a super long cross race 
Like it oh, would, be, would go bad. Well, no, but it'd be interesting because everybody goes out so hard at a cross race. It'd be like a mountain bike race, kinda. Yeah, you'd have to like pace yourself mm-hmm. and like not blow up right away. I would blow yeah. up right away regardless. It wouldn't even matter. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that'll be Grafton Cross. Come yeah. say hi to us. Yeah. So um, next up, you know, we we're gonna talk some world tour, some world, world championships. World championships. But uh, right before that, uh, there was uh, a, a bit of news in women's cycling that's right so it was just announced that uh starting in 2020 women will have the sim same minimum pay as men at the world tour at the world tour level so right now there is no minimum pay interesting uh and then on top of that so in women's racing Mm -hmm. there are no like categories outside of like pro and elite yeah so if there's a world tour event Pretty much anyone can sign up for it. Mm-hmm. That is like on a pro team. Okay. Now they you don't are, have to get invites for those. I don't believe so. Okay. That's why they're they'll at those races there will be like small teams mm-hmm. versus like you know the the um, Sunweb you know or Hagens Berman you know those big teams. Yeah. Well, Hawkins Berman is a continental oh, team. Oh, never mind. You're thinking like Subway, Bull Snowman, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Scott Orca or Michelin Scott. Yeah, so those big teams will go against like small, you know, regional teams, and uh, so there's no. So they want to try to standardize. It a yeah, little bit so more. they're actually making four different women's categories, mm-hmm. and uh, well, it, I know it was like world. It, it was different from men's. Mm-hmm. It was like world tour. And so, then, and I think the men's minimum salary, if I'm not mistaken, was like something in the like realm 40 of forty thousand euros, which is like yeah, uh, it's I like don't know, forty five thousand dollars. So it's like fifty fifty k, yeah, fifty k yeah. roughly, yeah. So so uh, yeah, that will that will start yeah. in twenty twenty. So that's interesting. What are your thoughts on that? Is that a, is that a good move for the UCI? Is that gonna pan out well i think i think one of two things are going to happen and Mm -hmm. it's pretty much either it's going to go really well or it's going to go really bad Mm -hmm. uh the really good way is that they take this as an opportunity to jump into the world of cycling and really bring that up so teams will kind of think of instead of you know having just like a women's team and just or just like a men's team they they kind of mold them together and they'll start making races so that one team can bring one bus with a women's and a men's team mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you have one staff for two teams and it, it kind of makes it and then like so like sponsors merge and the teams merge mm-hmm. so now you have a men's team and a women's team and they do the same races yeah that's yeah it's interesting i like i really like the idea of it and i hope it pan, i hope it pans out you know because like yeah, it's it's hard to make a living wanna, as, as a cyclist at any level. I I want to like I actually want to get into women's cycling. It's mm-hmm. just like they don't show it right now, so it's like nearly impossible. If they started showing, you know, I, but, I mean, I mean, I think I this think, is touched on a lot. But where I, I think that gets to the issue though, like what you just mentioned. So you, if you combine resources and the men and women go to the same race, it's hard to do the coverage. Like okay, so all like not and not hard in terms of like yeah, yeah. and economically, it's like. Okay, the men's race is going to be five hours, and the women's race is going to be, you know, three to five hours. I don't know how they differ in terms of length or whatever, but that's like that's ten hours of racing okay, so, on the same day. So, um, so first off, men's racing doesn't go off until like two or three in the afternoon, mm-hmm. typically, or like one between like one o'clock and three o'clock. They could easily do it in the morning at I see. nine o'clock. So, but 
you could all or you could stagger them the women start two hours ahead of the men mm-hmm. and here's the thing is you could i mean this is touched on a lot is show the last 40k of the women's race and then the last 60k of the men's race so now it's 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 actual like good content that you're watching and they have your actual eyes watching the screen because i mean how often these are like five hour races you're not watching it until like the last hour or two. Yeah, you know, I see that. So just, why why can't they show if it's going to be four hours long? Why can't it be two hours of the end of a race and then the next two hours are the end of the other race? That makes it interesting. You watch for four hours, but you're actually in tune for two for four hours. Yeah, I just think at the end of the day, the whole structure of cycling. is just not. It's not like it's just that doesn't work. If if that makes sense, like. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you do these incredibly long, like, five, six-hour classics and to, like, integrate the women's race. It's, like, obviously there should be a women's race, but it's, like, just the the logistics of everything just seem ridiculous. I mean, that's, like, with um, with the USA Crits in the United States, they had a live stream of all the events, and it was simple, easiest thing yeah. ever to integrate. You know, the men's race is at this time, the women's race is at this time. They're both, you know, one's an hour, one's an hour and a half, like okay like there was no extra money to live stream both but yeah it's a really interesting question obviously i'm a little bit more fan of crit racing than than long road races and that's another reason why too it's i think a little bit more like it's it's easier to integrate women's cycling at, or put it on the same platform as men's cycling if that makes sense yeah but at the end of the day i'm i'm a little bit worried about the economics of it because i want i want the whole minimum salary thing to work but i hope it doesn't sink teams and then you know like teams fold that's like the worst case scenario. But the yeah. best case scenario is that it does elevate the sport and it elevates women's cycling to the to the same platform. Yeah, you know, I think it's doable. I think it's very doable that it can be successful and profitable. But, the, you know, the, I think kind of the reality of it is is that, you know, cycling is stuck in its ways, you know? Yeah, and I completely agree. It's and Something's got to give. There's going to be a lot of pushback that could make it not work i'm sure yeah you know so i think especially with race i think the the biggest issue is races and like race organizers who have done the tour of flanders the same way for a hundred years or well not a hundred years but you get what i'm saying decades and like perrier bay actually there isn't a women's perrier bay i bet that's the next thing on the docket is a a women's perrier bay i mean to be honest by far this year my favorite stage of the tour de france was the like the 60 mile stage you know the short one yeah i mean even peter sagan uh in a news interview this week said i hate watching cycling because it is so boring i will watch the last Mm -hmm. five miles and that's it. I don't think anybody really. I mean, so I, like, why I say races, that, that's not true. Why I, do know, these races need to be five hours? Right. I, I enjoy cycling too, but yeah, I, I you know I agree. I think that's kind of it's to the crux of you know it's just there's a lot of history. I think that's the thing. You know, like you know um, the Tour de France started as uh, you know to the same distance or a similar distance, but it was eight stages, and it was kind of like it's like what you would think of today as like an ultra cycling event, right? Where it's like self-supported, you know, like you're just doing it on your own. And it's just kind of like over a hundred years, it's morphed into this crazy sport where, you know, the stages are a hundred miles, but like there, everybody's like in the Peloton and there's a caravan. And, you know, to think like we started here and now we're here, it's kind of insane. 
I think, yeah, I think they should cap distances at like 100 miles. Yeah. I mean, of course, then you'll hear you'll hear people and teams complain that like, well, it's, you know, then the best rider isn't winning. But yeah, I just think it's, you know, it's, just, it's diff- different. It's just different. You yeah. know, it's, it's, different. it's not it's I think the it's best more, rider does win. It's yeah. just it's a different rider. And especially with the teams that have been going away recently too, like cycling just needs to make itself you know it it depends right do you does it want to continue as this very niche sponsor driven sport where the uh, basically it's a charity it's a charity sport right now yeah for sure it's propped up by companies that are willing to sacrifice their marketing budget Mm -hmm. to you know support something that they're interested in yeah and if cycling wants to stay like that for eternity and the rest of ever 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 like that's fine you know like it's fine but if you want to try to like lift the sport up and make it more spectator friendly and ultimately grow the sport too it's got to change that's yeah. my that's my yeah. hot take and that you know it's your hot take too i think yeah. probably all right so i mean uh next up is world championships yeah, as, as we're on the we'll, topic yeah. of road we'll, cycling we'll talk that i always okay so just to touch on kind of and again i always think the distances of the world championships are always just stupid long yeah. They're like 150 miles or something. They're always like six. It's like 260K, I think. Yeah, it's like six or seven hours long. Oh, it's so long. So the, the they're, so let's see. What races have happened so far? Everybody has done the individual time trial. Which are... Everybody... Well, actually, let's oh, start, okay, sorry, start yeah. with the team time trials. Oh. Um, in the women's, the Canyon SRAM team has won the team time trial title. And the... Uh, in the men's side, the uh, Edix Quick Step team has won the men's team time trial. Wolfpack. The Wolfpack, which, yeah, the team time trial is really interesting because it's trade team. It's not actually based on nationality. Um, they could they could never get like you know all of the national teams to practice together to do the team time trial. So they're just like screw it. If we want to do this discipline, then we'll just make sure that all the trade teams can do it together. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's it's a weird thing, but that was so that was the individual time trial. Uh, moving on to team time trial. Sorry, team time trial. Moving on to the individual time trial. Um, bunch of junior races, U twenty three races, uh, yada yada. But we really care about the men's and women's uh, official title, yeah. pro titles, which is on Saturday and Sunday. Well, no, the individual time trial. Oh, individual time already. trial. Okay. The yeah. individual time trial. Uh, former world champion Annemiek van Vluten, yep, I believe, from, took home the title. Uh, from Michelin Scott. Yep, from Michelin Scott uh, of the Dutch team. So another another Dutch title added to the yep, to the wall. She's a two time world champion. Yep. And on the men's side, it was the Aussie Rowan Dennis yeah. of formerly BMC, and he was like a minute twenty up on Tom Dumoulin who took second place. He absolutely stomped this uh, time trial. This I think this was like his goal. This has been his goal for the last few years yeah. is the individual time trial world champion title. I and believe this he was saying this has been like his goal like his entire career. Like he yeah. was saying like as a junior he was always so close to like a time trial world champion that but never got it. Yeah. So this was like always that this was his career goal. Right. And man, he crushed it. So yeah, good for him. Good for him. I mean, that's an that's like if you think about it, that's an amazing goal to have. It's a 40 k time trial, I believe. I think it was like fifty. Fifty k, and so they're they're taking I don't know what the exact times is somewhere in the realm of like but forty ish minutes somewhere around there. But like to think about like your entire life's work is down to forty minutes of just how hard you can push yourself yeah. on a bike in an aero position. 
just, I mean, it's, it's just kind of incredible when you think about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was really exciting. Um, well, it's as exciting so, as a time trial can get. We'll leave well, it at that. I'll, I'll give you a, like a little interesting tidbit that I, I, I read about today was he actually uh, found or I don't know how he got it, to be honest, but he's found the power that or estimated the power that Tom Dumoulin was putting out in the team time trial because apparently he was pulling the team time trial for like a majority of the time. Mm -hmm. So he found out how much power he was using there and he actually rode his individual time trial based off of that power and always just stayed over it. Interesting. Yeah, and that's how he he rode his so he could pace it. He could essentially he was going for what you could say like he was going for broke. If if he wasn't first, he was gonna not finish that race. Oh yeah. So like he basically set it set the bar, and he was like, you know what? I'm staying right here. I'm staying right over this number. Yeah. You know, come hell or high water. I thought that was super interesting that yeah they how they get those numbers and go off oh do the pacing off those numbers. It's it's incredible, and the amount of time and energy they they devote to being aerodynamically efficient i mean it's yeah yeah in insane is the only way you could explain it yeah and i had i heard a uh and we'll we'll get over this quick uh i heard a conversation though with bradley wiggins and how how different coaches will will do different things during time trial like he was saying like he always just wanted a coach that was calm and gave him the facts hey you're five seconds down your power is 10 watts low you got to bring it up you got to speed it up so, hey, you're going too fast. You're 10 seconds ahead of first place. You need to bring that down because you're going to blow up later. Mm-hmm. But then he'd also have coaches that would be like, you're, you're 15 seconds ahead. Keep going. Keep going when he's actually down. Mm-hmm. because And then they're... He didn't want to be lied to. They're Yeah. And like coaches would lie to you based off of what they think will, Ooh, and will we, make you race better. Wiggins had a temper too. I bet that didn't go over oh, too yeah. well. Oh yeah. And his... they think like the coaches think they're doing doing the right thing. Right. You yeah. know, that's like a part of the athlete coach bond or communication is like, "Hey, what do you want me to do?" like in your ear, yeah, you yeah. know. You should probably talk about that before you. Probably. Sometimes <laughs> you just get coaches though that are like never around and that's they're like true. just you, there for you that just, race. They're over email, it's whatever. Yeah. yeah. yeah fascinating all right so uh on to the next one we'll talk uh the the road race the road race world championship um do we have any predictions ryan i think that's a really great question i'll tell you what who i want to win is one of the yates brothers i think adam yates has a potential chance i think simon yates is cooked from the vuelta that's gonna be my guess but you know at the same time all of his contenders did the the vuelta this is my guess i think nibali wins the the title i I think this has been on nibali's calendar for the entire year do the vuelta he did half of it i think so he used it as like a training camp i'm pretty sure so i think this is the world championships is generally not this hilly that's why peter sagan's won it for the past yeah. three years is because it's always rolly right it always favors somebody that's like pretty well-rounded that yeah. can climb but usually you got to sprint out of like uh, a group of riders i think this is the year that nibali puts the hurt on everybody and has been basically prepping all season for this that's that's my guess. That's that's what I think is going to happen. I think it comes down to whoever is freshest from the Volta, and if that's Nibley, I think Nibley's got a good shot. Yeah. Um, I think Greg Van Avermaet kind of put it through his name into I'm going to win, but I don't uh, think I I don't think he does. It's real. It's real hilly. I would say it's maybe it's not quite a pure climber's course, but I mean it is. It is 
hilly. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Uh, who who else do you think that has a realistic shot? You know, I don't think that isn't like cooked from the Vuelta. Uh, I don't know if Mikhail Kwiatkowski he, he raced the the Vuelta though. Form, former world champion. He, he was a little. Great. I think he was a little cooked. No. Yeah, it's it's a really tough thing to to put a pin on. Richie, is Richie Port going to be at the uh, world championships? I think Port possibly has a chance. Mm-hmm. You know, at the Olympics, it was Port. Nibali and I forget another rider that was in a breakaway together that was going to be the winning breakaway. Yeah, and they crashed on I the final if, descent. I wonder if like Egon Bernal will will be there for he, Colombia. Well, he had a really bad crash this year. Actually, oh, did he? had a facial surgery. Oh, that's I think right. In July. Yeah. No, 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 no. In August, early August. Um, so I don't think he's going to be racing the rest of the season. Okay. I was going to say, if he didn't do the it's, Walta, it's he a great had year. a good shot. It's a great year for a Colombian world champion, though. We yeah, have Chavez. Yeah. We have uh, Rigberto Uran. Um, if Chavez has been working, like doing some real training, he I mean, he didn't great, do the he did, tour. He didn't do the Walta. No, uh, Chavez did the He Giro. did the Giro. That's it. Uh, yeah. And, you know, for, for Chavez... He he won E Lombardia, which is a like a very climby classic, uh, or is it a monument? It's one of the last classics or monuments at the end of the year. I think it's a classic, but he won that race in 2016, I, I believe. So, you know, I think he's shown that he has the potential to win one day races, and I think he's more of a one day racer. But it's going to come down to, you know, with the world championships, there's so many factors that just are out of everybody's control. Julian Alaphilippe is another rider that I think is going to be up there that could possibly win oh, the yeah? world champs. I mean, there there is 10 riders that have a very strong chance I'll of tell winning you what, the world championships. I just watched an Instagram video of him doing a an interval, mm-hmm. and he was just sprinting up a hill. Yeah. Just flying. So... I, he, he's looking I, good. I would, he's I looking would, good I would, right now. I'll tell you what. I'll I cheer a, for him. To he win. had a stellar tour. He won the polka dot. Oh my jersey. gosh! Great course for him. That facial hair. Oh, Ooh. he looks. You know who he kind of reminds me of? Huh. Marco Pantani. He's kind of got the whole pirate look. The pirate eel party. Yeah, eel I get parita. that. I get that. He's yeah. he really works it. I'll oh, tell you he, what. It works for him. You know, he's got to invest a lot of time into that. I bet. Yeah. To you know, look he, that good. Probably hires someone. You know, when he's doing a grand tour, you think he's got enough energy? You think he just hires like one of the Swannies to come? over and you know, oh, yeah. touch he, up the beard and he's got a beard person yeah he's got a beard. yeah that's what happens when you get paid well on these teams you don't like invest your money into retirement no. you hire a beard person. yeah you hire a beard person give yeah. them a salary give them retirement health insurance dental <laughs> that's you know? right so on the women's side of things do we have any predictions there like i was saying before i don't think i know the women's race enough to give a i think it'll be someone from like mitchelton scott though because they've been killing it I they've think, been dominating so for last year's world champion was Chantel black um out of a she the, it came down to a small group in the end with three dutch women and Chantel black attacked nobody chased she won she was also the best sprinter out of that group not as much of a climber i think it's going to be you know it's, it's always such a weird uh, race because Dutch women are all the favorites and they're all on the same team, right? So Anna van der Breggen was just dominant at some of the climbing races this year. She was really dominant at like the Ardennes Classics. I think that smart move would be to put your money on Anna van der Breggen since this is a climby road race. And I think uh, the next obvious choice would be the time trial world champion Anna van Vluten as two women that are i would say you'd you'd be hard pressed to think of any other women that could win the race besides those those two 
Um, but for Americans, do the Americans have a chance, you think, of uh, landing on the podium in either the men's or the women's race? I think the only chance Americans have is um, on a flat sprint course with Corinne Rivera. You think so? It's about the only ch- cho- uh, chance. Did you know she's uh, fit, ranked fifth overall in uh, World Tour points? I believe it, yeah. Yeah. She's a very consistent rider. Yeah. Um, who, oh man, who who was it? Uh, Katie Hall of U- formerly UHC had a stellar season. I don't know if she's on the world's team, but she's climbing out of her mind. She won... Uh, pretty much all of the big American stage races this year, and I think my money would be on her for possibly contending for the win. Maybe I think she has a strong possibility of getting the podium, though. On the men's side of things, what do you think? You know, I don't even really who's 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 who are get, or are men that are contending for the world championships. I believe. Um, Adam Yates. Uh, no, 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 no. Amer- oh. Americans, right? Americans. Americans. Oh, Americans. Uh, TJ Van Garderen, is he? No, he no. won't win. No, but it's, no, is he there? Oh, I'm guess- we're, we're not oh, being very oh, good oh. Americans right now. We don't even know who yeah, the I American know. team is. I'm guessing it's going to be um, your, I, the, yeah, I mean I'm him. Larry Warbus, I, Warbus, I believe, is going to be there. He was our national Probably champion like in 2017. Alex Andrew Talansky. No, no, not Andrew, Andrew Talansky. Yeah, doing triathlon. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's hard it to even bring up the. I don't want to hate on the American guys, but like, I don't even for a hilly race like this. TJ, I think, is probably the closest thing that we'd have to uh, winning. Yeah. Sepp Kuss is also a stellar talent on Lotto NL Yumbo oh, this year. I forgot about Sepp Kuss. He's he did the, a chance. He did the Vuelta. Rode out of his mind. He's a young rider, though. I don't know if he could turn around from a grand tour like that and then line up the world champs and perform. That's a pretty big ask. I don't know. That we'll see. I you know what? But if I had to put my money on any rider showing up, yeah. if he is showing up on the world's team, I'd say Sepkus is probably. I feel like guy. he. You almost have to put him on the on the team. I mean, like, he's just climbing like like a, a, yeah. an animal right now. I mean, at the tour, of he Utah, won the tour of Utah. Yeah, but he didn't just win it. He, he dominated. Like, he, he rode away during in like three stages and, of it, and he was driving. He was driving the GC group in the Vuelta too. I mean, he was just shedding riders out the back of you know some huge names. So I think that's going to be a, a name that could possibly contend. I think he's an outside chance for a podium. Yeah, I and think, I think that'd be a huge win for him. I think he could take top uh, top ten. Yeah. Possibly right. top ten. All right, so I got, got the, a world's team. I got the up. world's team. Our U.S. men. If my computer wasn't so slow, mm, blame it on the computer. Right? It looks like Katie Compton. No, no. Katie Compton. No, not that looked like her. It looked like. Her. Oh, okay. All right, so road race. You know, I think every year I've always kind of known who the team is, but for some reason this year I just have no idea. You know, I think this kind of goes back to something that we haven't touched on, but I think is important, is how long the road cycling calendar is. My gosh, it's hard to pay attention from January through the end of September and then sometimes through the end of October. It's just, man, it's a, it's a hard ask to, to follow that much racing all year round. But, you know, here at Bike Racing Weekly, we do our best and we, uh, we try to bring you guys the facts as they come all year round. So the first one that came up isn't wasn't even like the team. All right, this is a USA Cycling issue. Yeah, I we know. We should be no. We should know. Okay, it. I got it. You got it. Okay. All right, number one, Ben King. 
Okay. So well, two stage wins the Vuelta this year. Yeah. So on great form. Uh, Sepp Kuss. All right, Sepp. Brent Bookwalter. Usual pick. Solid yeah. pick, yeah. 16th at the Olympics. Peter Stetna. All right, climbing legend, yeah. So that that's it. Those four are like <laughs> right, the only one hundred percent. This is a straight up, you know, miracle, uh, miracle style yep. situation. We're <laughs> we're throwing the hail mary. You know, we got we got two guys in there that I think have solid chances in the breakaway. Yeah, and then um, Nate Brown is on reserve. Okay, so that pretty much means he's probably not going to go. Probably not. But yeah, I mean, all right. Uh, ben King from Dimension Data, Seth Kuss on Lotto NL Jumbo. <laughs> Brent Bookwalter, BMC Racing Team. He, Brent's been doing well. He's consistent. Yeah. Peter Stetna from Trek Segafredo. All right. And that's our lineup, Nate Brown yes. is from Cannondale. All right. Well, that's our hope and dreams. Yep. All yep. wrapped up in the, the four U.S. riders. Um, so we'll see how that goes. We'll be sure to do a bit of a recap, too, after the world. Yeah. And, and yeah. kind of let you guys know what we think, what our analysis was, what we saw, you know, everything like that. Yeah. But yeah, it'll be uh, women's races on Saturday, men's races on Sunday. That's right. So... With that, Ryan, I think we need to move into our final segment, which is what grinds your gears? What grinds you know your gears? I'll Ryan, tell you what grinds my gears. Tell me what grinds your gears, Ryan. Okay, so I have... Uh, I Okay, I think we've talked about quarrels with Trek. Okay? Quarrels. Quarrels. Do you, you argue with them? <laughs> Do you call them up on so like a weekly So my basis? most recent quarrel is I have the I have the second cross bike. Okay. So I got the second cross bike because I worked for them, and it was pretty cheap. Yeah, good deal. Crockett. <laughs> They advertise tubeless ready wheels and tubeless ready tires. Okay. I'll tell you what, that is complete bull crap. Utter nonsense. That's utter nonsense. Okay. I've tried two different tires on these tubeless ready rims with tubeless ready tires. Nothing works. Nothing will like seal right, keep the air in. I've tried everything. Everything. And you know what, Ryan? Normally, I'd challenge your statement and say, maybe you're not that great of a mechanic. Maybe you just can't do it. But I myself have rolled a tubeless rim or tubeless tire off a rim during a cyclocross race. And that was when it was actually put on at like a like by professional mechanics. Like they did the tubeless job on it. So it should have been should have been perfect. But I do agree. It if you can get it to work, it's just a ticking time bomb before you roll it off. They the don't rim. seed. That's the thing is they do not seed on the rim. And I've heard this from other mechanics too that the Bontrager TLRs are just not great tubeless ready wheel sets. They just don't seal very well. Yeah, I it it it, it just blows my mind how. I've, I've dealt with, like, as a mechanic, I've dealt with a lot of tubeless rims. Yeah. And this is, like, the first time I have not been able to get it, and it is just blowing my mind. Just grinding your gears. It is really grinding my gears. Oh, Ryan. So Ryan. I just want, like, everyone to know, just, like, if I, I'm, I'm sorry, but, like, don't get track. I'm, like, don't, okay. don't buy their, I, don't I buy sh- their wheels, though. That least. might, that, okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> That's Ooh, a blanket Taking it too Ryan. far. Um, Okay. Yes. Ryan. I think I'm just gonna leave. I'm, I'm gonna say that I think Trek needs to do better because it shouldn't be this hard to make their wheels and tires tubeless. I'm not gonna say that they're they don't buy their bikes. Okay. I think I think their bikes suit a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they need to do better. You so, heard it, you heard it here first. Ryan hates Trek. It shouldn't be. Like doing doing this should be it should be possible by everyone. Tubeless is not a difficult thing. I you know you most most people can do it s- simply themselves. 
Mm-hmm. But it's so it should not be this hard. I'm with you, Ryan. I'm with you. All right. All right. That's what grinds Ryan's gears this week. Next week, we'll find out what grinds my gears. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. This is Bike Race Weekly. Hit that subscribe button. Follow us on our Instagram, bike underscore racing underscore weekly. Check us out on YouTube. Check us out on Facebook. Drop us a message. We're always happy to, you know, answer questions. Uh, you know, check us out at the races, too. We'll be at the Grafton Pumpkin Cross in not this weekend, but the following weekend. Yeah, and if you come find us, we'll put you on the podcast. We'll put you how on the podcast. That? Yeah. How about how that? About, how about that? Catch me outside. Catch me yeah. outside with the podcast. Yeah, catch Rick outside. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, uh, that's it, everybody. That's a wrap, and we will see you next weekend.